0: You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry, turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And And we're your hosts for the The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app, because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of the setup podcast. Thanks for tuning in. In case you missed last week's episode, we discussed new technology and music and charitable events you can get involved in. Live streams and innovation and digital technology are not going anywhere, so get ahead of the curve and make it a part of your career. In today's episode, we are joined with a true musicpreneur who is both an artist and entrepreneur. Yael Mayer is a global influence who built her career on placing her music within major TV shows and film. She started her own sync licensing company to help others do the same. Today we are giving you the inside scoop on how your favorite TV show or movie creates those iconic scenes with catchy music. We are sitting here with Yale Mayer of KLI Records. Thanks for joining us today on episode 25 of the Setup podcast featuring women musicpreneurs this season. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Sydney. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this podcast and about you know talking with you about the music industry, which is one of my love affairs in this life.
0: <laughs> yes, we are super excited to have you. So, what excites you about the music industry?
1: I don't really know. I feel like I have this very strange love affair with this industry that I've had for for many years. Because it's not it can it can be a very unkind industry, but for some reason, I really, really love it. Uh, for me personally, you know, music. I think music moves us like nothing else does. It it makes it takes us to places you know that like nothing else does. And I guess we've all had this very spiritual maybe experience with music. I've Had just very powerful uh experiences with music and in a way you want to be involved with creating that experiences for other people and so I feel that and I just think it's such a beautiful thing to work with artists uh in all aspects you know being in the music industry allows me to do so many different things and wear so many different hats like no other job would you know I'm producing video clips and, you know, running a company and like working and collaborating with, you know, uh, filmmakers and music supervisors. But at the same time, you know, like I'm playing live shows and it's like, I'm involved in so many different creative things and, and just collaborating with artists in so many different fields that it just, it's very inspiring and, and, and just, I don't know. I love it. I love everything about it.
0: Yeah, and you can definitely hear your passion in it. I could say that much. Um, we couldn't agree more. Like the connectivity and the emotion that you can, you know, evoke through music and connect with other people is just incredible. So today we're we're so excited because we're tar- talking about a particular aspect of your career, um, which is. This like black hole of music publishing. I feel like people get so confused by it. Um, and so I would love to kind of give the listeners a 101 on it with you. Um, and if they're not familiar with music publishing, it's how songwriters make money from their music. So in particular, what is your role as a publisher?
1: Okay. So that's a really great question. I, I find the same thing that, that you brought up is that people get very confused about publishing. And Basically, when you are talking about a song, you're talking about two different things two different copyrights one is the copyright of the composition of the song you know and let's talk about a song that we all know happy birthday somebody wrote happy birthday right so whoever wrote happy birthday that's the owner of the copyright for the composition okay Uh, that's called the writer's share okay and then you can have many different recordings for happy birthday and every recording is going to be a different master recording which is usually known as the master so usually record labels represent the recording of a song a master recording okay and the publisher represents the composition so what happens is that we have the song right and let's call this song uh, we're gonna call the song a whole okay so 100 percent of the song is gonna be the whole but back in the day when we're talking when radio just started you know um we had this song and we had the songwriter and and there needed to be a uh, a vested interest in shopping the song around so that it would Create mo- it would generate money so that the copyright would be exploited. So what did they do? They took this baby, the song, the hundred percent, and divided it into two parts and said, "We're going to call fifty percent of the song the writer's share, and it's going to belong to the songwriter forever in perpetuity." Mm-hmm. And the other fifty percent of this baby, we're going to call it the publisher's share, and that part is going to be able to be sold and traded to whoever wants to buy it, so that that entity or that person that owns the publisher's share can enter into uh, different business deals to monetize and create value for the song itself and generate royalties for the song itself so when that happens 100% of the money that is collected for the usage of that song is going to be split into two and half of it is going to go to the writer and half of it is going to go to the publisher Uh, and those when the songwriter doesn't have a publisher representing them as a songwriter and representing the song then the songwriter is the publisher as well and they get the 100% of the picture but when a songwriter enters into a publishing agreement uh, to represent that song or all the other songs that they write during the term then the publisher's job is to create opportunities for that song to generate royalties and generate income uh, in what way for example uh, having the songs placed on film and tv getting the songs shopped to bigger artists that are going to record them and make them famous uh, sending the songwriters to songwriting camps when they can write songs for other artists uh, that are going to make those songs big and famous for example The other role of the publishing company also is to collect those royalties once they're generated. So, for example, if the song is in a film, there's going to have to be a cue sheet, which is basically a document that says what songs are being used in the film and who they belong to so that the monies collected for the film can be paid out to the right people, the right songwriters and the right publishers and the right record labels. But somebody has to be chasing down those cue sheets, somebody has to be registering those songs with the PROs, ASCAP, CSAC, BMI, whoever they are, uh, and making sure that those royalties are collected. To the, so the publisher's job is all of the above. Basically, everything that has to do with the song and how the song generates money and income or seeking out opportunities for the song to generate money and income, that's the job of a publisher.
0: And you just discussed the entire like process of it, and I love it. There's so much good information that you just went over, and I definitely want to dissect it a little bit further In particular, with like not only, you know, registering, collecting the fees, finding those opportunities, um, do you also work with artists during their creative process, um, such as, you know, providing feedback or providing direction or matching them with collaborators?
1: I am more uh, focused in the sync aspect as a sync agency. Um, I personally don't really like dealing with other people's or, or owning other people's pieces of work, which is really what publishing is. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not what I wanna focus on. So I, I prefer to focus on the think part myself With my company uh, because I feel I could do a better service for artists like that and also give them more freedom and in turn give myself more freedom which is also important for me you know you know this industry is is an industry of of networking and connections and relationships and and usually when you sign to a publishing deal or when you sign a record uh, deal or whatever it is that you sign you're not really entering into a deal with a company you're entering into a deal with the um, with a person that you're signing with and a lot a lot of times it happens that an artist will sign with an ANR for example and then the ANR leaves and then they feel like well nobody's paying attention to me at this company because really you signed because you had you felt a personal connection with that person and so I think that that translates into all aspects of the industry and and also to publishing so um, it really depends on the people that you're dealing with and and also the culture within the publishing company but I think that there's publishers and there's people in the industry that are much more oriented towards being part of the creative process and especially during songwriting camps it happens a lot um as a writer i've been part of a lot of writing camps and they're my favorite thing i mean if you offer me like a ticket to disney or a ticket to a writing camp for me there's like no competition um writing camp every day of the week but um when you're at a writing camp, what happens is that the publisher will will get together a bunch of writers from different parts of the world to work on, on specific projects and write for specific pitches. And so you're getting a lot of feedback on what it is that you should be writing or orienting the writing towards because you're writing for specific projects. Um, the, write, this, the publisher can also f- give you feedback throughout the year of like, oh, well, these are the requests we're getting. These are the, you know, uh, the artists that are looking for songs to release on their next record and they will give you references and they will give you artist names and they will show you songs. And so there's a lot of back and forth and feedback on the creative process um, when it comes to writing specifically for pitch. Uh, when you write for yourself and the publisher is just representing the songs that you write then in that case, really, there's a lot of less feedback, and, and it makes sense because when you're writing for yourself, you don't really want people to tell you what to do, and that's kind of the beauty of writing as an artist, and the opportunity to also be able to write as a songwriter for other projects because you kind of get to use different aspects of your creative, uh, you know, uh, talent, mm-hmm. to be able to you know write something specifically for pitch, and also be able to just write from your heart whatever it is that you want to write.
0: So at the end of the day, the songwriters, the artists still owns their music, um, you know, but also working out the licensing, the pitching to music supervisors and collecting royalties is a lot of work, um, which is why someone like you comes in handy, you know, to help them out with that. um, And especially to increase their earning potential. How can songwriters work with you and... What would make them stand out?
1: Well, particularly for me, because I focus mostly on music sync, and which mm-hmm. is music for television, for ads, for film, for you know shows um, and uh, video games. Although I'm more focused on on the uh, on the other things and trailers and stuff like that. Uh, for me, it stands out when a song when I can feel that a song is sinkable you know um it has to be the thing about film or the thing about audiovisual work is that the song is not really there to be the star of the show whatever's on the screen is the star of the show that's the story and the and the music is only there to support the story and to give the story meaning and emotion so if you watch a film and you take out all of the music you're not really going to feel anything you know, uh, the moment the music comes in, all of a sudden the scene is filled with emotion and and the scene changes pacing, it changes emotion, it changes, you know, speed, uh, it changes the mood, depending on what music is behind it. And you can at home do this exercise, I mean, just pick whatever scene and go on Spotify and just like place different music behind it and see what happens, you know? Uh, so for me, I because I have experience in this field already, I can tell right away whether a song is going to be uh use, I mean useful or, 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 can work for different types of things. And also it depends on what the market is really asking for. There's, you, you know, there's uh, there's fashions within the music sync world as well. Um, it goes through, through different cycles. So sometimes uh, you know, I don't know, a lot of drums and maybe a lot of hip hop and just more like experimental stuff uh, with a little bit of urban and pop behind it is what's happening. And 10 years ago it was all ukuleles and like, you know, happy go lucky and a lot of, you know, spiels and stuff like that. And so it goes through different cycles. Some, there's, there's times where they're looking for a lot of singer songwriter stuff. And there's time when there's looking for a lot of, you know, more dramatic pop and, you know, very cinematic stuff. And so it just really, you have to kind of understand what is being used uh, at a particular time and also understand the, the editorial picks off a particular show because every show has, um, has a, the music is a a character, it has a tone. And so you also have to understand the tone of the different TV shows or the tone of the film to understand better what kind of music is going to be used. And so for whenever I I hear music uh, in terms of what artists catch my, my ear, it's really whether I think that that's something that I'm going to be able to pitch and that I'm going to be able to place, which doesn't mean that I will, but it's just my gut feeling.
0: Yeah, um have you ever said no to a project?
1: Yes, I have. Uh I have said no to projects. Sometimes the fees are can be too too small mm. or sometimes they don't there's no fee. Um and I have said no to things that I felt weren't really fair or didn't really value the music that I was making or that I was offering. So I, I have my own policies for my personal music, and also for the artists that I represent. But if but sometimes there can be a very good opportunity and not necessarily money in between in, within that opportunity, and that doesn't mean that the opportunity is not good. So I think everything has to be gauged on a per basis thing, but. Um, But generally speaking, I mean, I don't like to say no to projects, you know, I like to say yes to projects, but I also think that it's important for us as artists to value what we do, Mm -hmm. Um, because if we don't, then nobody else will.
0: Absolutely, and kind of what we were discussing a little bit earlier is, you know, sticking to kind of your core values and also understanding you know, what you value and where you want to go with that, even if sometimes the money's not there, um, but it might still fit with kind of your style and everything.
1: Yeah, and you know, like I've done, for example, licenses for a lot cheaper than than, than I would have wanted to, but it lets something else or 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 I bundled up a lot of songs. So like instead of it being one license, it ended, ended up being 10. Um, and I feel that, in this business, it's also really important, like I said before, to build relationships and to understand that sometimes it, it's, an oppor- it's an open door opportunity. So somebody's opening the door for you and maybe there's not a lot of money on the table at the moment, but they're offering you an opportunity to build a relationship and you have to kind of gauge what is more important for you. Um, and, if the, and if building that relationship is important, then that should be the prevailing value
0: as an artist, I'm sure you've recognized the, uh, the importance um, of h- having sync licensing as like an income stream, especially now. When did you realize that? I uh,
1: Well, my story is, is a little bit long, but I'll try to make it short. So um, basically, I grew up in South America. I got a scholarship to go to Berkeley College of Music when I was in high school. And so I finished high school and I, I moved to, the, to Boston and I, you know, was happy there learning how to become a better musician. Uh, but this was a time where the music industry fell on its head for the first time. You know, the MP3 came out, iTunes came out. I mean, uh, you know, record labels weren't signing people anymore. They didn't even know what, uh, how, how to deal with this. I mean, the spent 10 to 15 years fighting the mp3 instead of like starting their own spotify you know like universal music group could have done that they could have just like charged you five dollars and made the entire universal catalog available for you yeah but instead you know record labels fought it for a really long time publishers fought it for a really long time and so um nobody really knew where the industry was going so when i left berkeley i i I had this sensation of like, well, nobody really knows where this is going. And I had a great teacher at school that really, um, instilled in us the value of uh, owning our own copyrights. So I decided to just stick to my own copyrights for as long as possible. And I, as an artist, I was not going to seek out a publishing deal or a record deal, and I was gonna see how far I could take it. And, but then I realized I didn't really know how to make money making music. School had made me a better musician, but I didn't really know how to make money making music. So I spent a few years really just studying the industry and observing how other artists uh were developing independent models and i stumbled upon music licensing because it was just starting it wasn't what it is today uh it was just starting um i mean i can name a few names but like ingrid michelson had gotten her first sync she's just she had just started out with lynn grossman and and alex batsovas was just doing OC. and there was like this whole scene happening with music sync that was very new but it was the time where like TV kind of became the new radio and a lot of bands were breaking through because of a awesome sync that they had gotten at that point. And I realized, you know, I I wanted to be a mom. I didn't want to be on tour for nine months out of the year. I wanted to be able to make the music I wanted to make without being forced or, you know, pushed in a direction that I didn't want to go. Um, And I wanted to be able to make a living doing that so that I could continue to make music. So sync sort of like checked all the boxes for me and I felt like this is going to allow me to be a mom it's going to allow me to make the music I want to make it's going to allow me to make money so I'm going to really pursue this and I was living in LA at the time and I started putting all of my energy into that uh so I recorded a five song EP and uh and I really had um you know, the intention of syncing all those songs. So I I went into the studio with the the intention of making the songs as syncable as possible without compromising the artistic integrity of the song. And I walked out with a five song EP and I licensed every single song on that EP. And it allowed me to pay for an entire full length album uh, and then I went and I licensed every single song on the album. And then I realized, okay, well, I can do this. And, and at the same time, I started realizing that, you know, I was building all these relationships with music supervisors and with, you know, mu- people in the industry. But my music was not always going to be the right fit for every job. Uh, and I also realized that a lot of artists didn't even know that these opportunities existed. So I had this one foot in the industry where I was creating this network within the music industry and at the same time I had this other foot with like all my network of writers and songwriters and artists and musicians that were creating amazing stuff but didn't even know this other world and I found myself in between and I said well I can connect these two so I started representing other artists and that's sort of how this was born.
0: (laughs) Wow that's incredible that you were able to you know take a step back really understand the music ecosystem how to navigate it and how to make money because i feel like you know a lot of artists kind of get lost in that why did you pivot from publishing to sync
1: i feel that unless you're generating thousands and thousands of dollars or maybe hundreds of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in publishing and your music is playing all over the world I don't know if it makes so much sense to have a publishing deal unless you have a very, very good relationship with a publisher and they really are helping you grow your uh, career as a songwriter and they really are, you know, um, getting you together with other songwriters and they really are uh, sending you to songwriting camps and just really creating opportunities for you to grow as a songwriter. If you have that great relationship with the publisher or with the person at the publishing company, then then yes, by all means, go ahead. And if you have your music playing in multiple places in the world, then I 100% uh, encourage people to have local publishers sub-publishing those songs in those territories. Otherwise, it's gonna be very difficult for you to collect those royalties. But unless those two scenarios are happening, I think for the most part, people can't publish their songs themselves until they get to that point.
0: That's a really great point. If you have any collaborators that helped you with your music, DistroKid can split earnings for any song you stream and automatically send those earnings to those that worked on it with you. That means musicians can easily share earnings with producers other artists and anyone else can you tell us more about the impact sync can have on the success of an artist's career
1: for me it's allowed me to really be able to have my music cross borders you know i've had Mm. my music on korean tv shows that have won right awards you know and uh And I've had my music be one of the main songs for two different uh, Korean TV shows. So now I have this whole following in Asia that otherwise, you know, nobody would have known my music there if it wasn't for that. Um, Then I've had songs, you know, on TV shows that are playing for 10 years now in different parts of the world, Europe and and Latin America, and the U.S., and Australia, and the U.K. So I I really have like a worldwide fan base of people who know my music and have come to know my music through, um, through these TV shows that they encounter the music in. And the thing with music on TV that I find so wonderful is that that like I said before music is there to support a scene it's there to support a story it's not the main character but but it's a very important part of the storytelling and so when you have a very powerful song uh, in a very powerful scene it creates a very powerful emotional connection with a person who's listening and and it just it, it, it something happens to the person who's watching that scene where they really really connect emotionally with the song and with the music and and then they discover music that they wouldn't have otherwise heard and it becomes part of their life so I think that that's something very special that can happen uh, and at the same time you know it's really allowed me as an artist um, to be able to to make the music I want to make and to make a living doing that. And I still tour and I still play live, you know, and I have my company and I do a lot of other things, but, um, but as a, as an, as an artist, it's really, it's really allowed me to get where I am today in, in every way. I mean, I wouldn't have my company if it wasn't for the songs I licensed myself from my own catalog. And, I wouldn't have a, probably a career if it wasn't because I got all these things that allowed me to make a name for myself and to have people know me in different parts of the world. And, you know, I, you know, I, I would have maybe given up at some point if if I felt like nothing was happening, nothing was working, people weren't listening, and I wasn't making money at some point, I probably would have thrown the towel. But the fact that uh, that I've had all these things uh, that I've been able to do has allowed me to continue creating music and to continue uh, developing uh everything that I'm that I have and that I'm continuing continuing to develop uh both as an artist and as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah and just just you know with us being on the other end where not only do we watch you know these TV shows that you, we we as viewers can feel those emotions associated with the songs that support the image that you're seeing it also gives us the opportunity to even listen to music that we might have not even known about if it weren't for that certain film or, you know, you as an artist and you as a company reaching a larger um, culture that wouldn't even, you know, associate maybe a song with the, the movie or the film or anything that they're watching. What do you need in order for your songs to be licensed in the first place?
1: there's several ways i mean first of all i would say educate yourself and uh i think that i'm a i like learning on my own i don't personally like taking classes i don't like anybody telling me what to do mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm right. mm-hmm. like that. yeah i like to learn i find that sometimes i i soak up information really quickly and i really enjoy it and so sometimes i it, it happens that i can go a little bit faster than the information I'm being offered in a class. And so like, I would rather just spend a month just like going down the rabbit hole in the internet and watching everything that I can watch and hearing everything I can hear and reading everything that I can read. And after a month, I'm like, I just, I plugged into the matrix. I got it, you know, uh, but not everybody works that way. And so if, if, if you're a person who really, um, you know, needs a little bit more of a methodic, uh, approach and, and likes to learn from other people's experiences and like, you know, courses that have a certain uh, way of, of teaching things, then I would, however it is that you're choosing to learn, you should definitely, first of all, educate yourself. Uh, there are several courses out there for music licensing. I'm offering one as well. I'm not saying you should, you know, sign up with mine. You can go ahead and do your research. There's several out there. Um... And you can also learn this information on your own. If you choose to spend the time looking for it, it's out there, you know? Um, Nobody, I I didn't take, I I did take a course at UCLA at some point. It was an extension course. And I did learn a lot from that course actually. Um, But, Number one, educate yourself because there's a lingo. You really have to understand copyright really, really well. Uh, It's important that you understand how the industry operates. uh, What are the players within that industry? TV, film, adverts work differently. Um, It's very important that you pay attention to the music that's being used in all the different media and really understand where your music fits within that media. Uh, You can want to have your songs licensed you know as much as you want it, but if the music that you're writing is not appropriate for it, those particular projects it doesn't matter if, how hard you want it it's not going to end up on the screen if it's not right for the scene Absolutely. so so you have to really like really pay attention and educate yourself as to what music is being used in different media and make sure that the music that you're creating um, can exist and coexist within those other songs and that other music that is being used for those particular uh projects you know and there's so much out there there's enough for everybody but you know you want to make sure that you're reaching out to people that are going to be excited to hear what you have to share so if you you know make hip-hop but you're reaching out to maybe like um a show about uh meditation maybe your music is not going to be the greatest for that particular you know project Uh, but at the same time like i don't know if you if 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 you do make hip-hop and you want to be reaching out to uh you know adverts for big brands uh maybe that's going to be a great fit because that's kind of what is being used right now and so you really need to understand where your music fits so that you can be reaching out to the right outlets because because people really get annoyed when you re- when you reach out to them and you don't know who they are and and you pitch them something that is really not use- useful for them They don't have unlimited time. They get pitched so much stuff and so much music. They get hundreds of emails every single day. And if they're giving you the time of actually even opening the email and reading it, like, you know, the least that you can do is be respectful to make sure that whoever you are reaching out to, you are reaching out with something that is going to be of interest to them as opposed to pitching something to them that if you had listened to what they were using, you would know that it doesn't fit the bill, you know?
0: Oh, absolutely. And it becomes kind of a you know, a respect for their time, but also yes. like you were saying, doing all of your research beforehand. So that when yes. you do get there, you stand out. Yes. <laughs> and absolutely. you actually know your your, you know, the audience with that.
1: Absolutely. So that 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 would be my my uh suggestion is to really educate yourself. I mean, I can't really say that enough. And I mean that for every single aspect of the music industry and really for anything that you want to do in life. I mean, if you really want to succeed, the better prepared you are, you know, the more chances you are to be able to succeed. It doesn't guarantee anything. I mean, as an entrepreneur, you're going to run into dead ends. A lot of times doors shut in your face a lot of times. And that's kind of like the thing of being an entrepreneur. And if, if, if you don't like the hustle and, and you don't have some sort of resiliency, then maybe that's not the right thing for you. But, um, but if you're better prepared for the, for the journey ahead, then, you know, it's going to be a little easier to get there. Yes.
0: Um, is there anything that you would change about the industry?
1: It's a good question. I don't know. I've never really thought about it and I've never really been asked that, but I think that now there are things that are changing. I see more and more, Opportunities like this for people to learn coming up. And I think that that's something that is changing. But I also feel that a lot of people who work in the industry um, are kind of like maybe a little bit. Um, jealous of the information that they have acquired in their and the experience that they have and I feel a little bit more um cautious to share that with with up-and-coming artists and -and up-and-coming people in the industry you know when I first started it was very hard to get people to sit down with me and just share their experience with me or, or give me information about the industry um I think that's starting to change a little bit, but I think that that's the one thing that I I would change is to just making a little bit more open source where people just are really more uh, giving uh, and that generates more of a collaborative uh, industry where people have more chances of, you know, really venturing in the direction that they want to go.
0: I love that so much. And I would agree. I think that's probably the toughest part about it. Like people are very protective about yes. like their knowledge, their relationships. And I think like, why can't we just be more supportive of one another, especially, um, and this is one of the reasons why we're focusing on women musicpreneurs is like, I've found so much support from other ladies in the industry. Cause I think, you know, we're so rare, especially female entrepreneurs. So I think Um, just by doing this, this is just so helpful. So it's, it's really awesome just to hear your insight and you sharing your experiences.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. I think that too. And I think you also bring up a good point. Uh, Women are the minority in the in the industry. You know, it was when I first started, it still is now. I've kind of gotten so used to it that I don't even pay attention to it anymore. But um, it's just, it's not rare for me to be the only woman in the room. It's not rare for me to be the only woman in the conversation. Um, and yeah, I mean, but I feel like that needs to change in all aspects of our society. And the and the honest truth is that I. I'm so used to it that it I don't even really it, it doesn't bother me I don't feel uncomfortable um I do think there's an underrepresentation and I think that that does translate into uh, into how the business operates and I think that that's going to be changing as as the as society changes mm-hmm. but um but I think that that I see more and more women now. I think that in the in the more technical aspects of the industry, like production and engineering and stuff like that, it's still a big void. And I I, I see more women now in the entrepreneurship part of the industry, managers, music supervisors, um, producers, uh, an event producers, or um, you know, tour management stuff like that. But in the in the technical aspects, and also in the musician aspect. Uh, there's still very, very, very few women.
0: So I know um, that you stated a little bit that, you know, it never really bothered you being the only woman. You kind of understood that you were more of a rarity of that. Um, is there a certain aspect part of your career that you felt like you kind of used that towards your advantage?
1: No, I think that I – was a little bit more cautious about what situations I got myself into because I was a woman. I knew like when I was young that if I, you know, pursued a record deal or something like that, I didn't feel comfortable with how that could have played out um i felt i in my mind and i never experienced this personally but in my mind there was this idea that maybe i was going to be pressured to change my image in a way that wasn't comfortable for my for me or that i was going to be belittled because well you don't know what you're talking about right. um you know and and i feel like that condescending Condescending tone is something that I've always been very wary about. And whenever I do encounter situations like that, I'm very quick to get out of those situations. I don't anymore because I feel like I have enough experience that whenever I'm invited into certain things now, it's because of a trajectory that I've built. And so it doesn't happen often anymore but uh, it happens to me with people who are not in the music industry like other types of entrepreneurs like people who would have nothing to do with music industry mm-hmm. for some reason they they always feel like they can come and tell you how you can do how you can do business better <laughs> you <know>?
0: uh, yeah <laughs> like the term mansplaining <laughs> yes
1: like, you've never had to sell a show. You've never had to negotiate a license. You've never had to, you've never done anything in the music industry. Like you do not know this industry, you know, like you cannot, you cannot come and tell me how to run a
0: business
1: that you have no idea about. And it does happen. And it does happen with men, um, older men, men who are very successful in their own fields, who feel like they can all, you know, like they know better, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen to me so much in the music industry anymore.
0: And, you know, I think that's what's so important about, you know, kind of having these conversations and even showing a separate light that, you know, women are entrepreneurs and this helps, you know, the young females that might be going through a similar situation um, to not only be cautious, but to not, but also be resilient in a sense, um, to keep pushing forward almost.
1: I think that as women, we all grow up Looking over our shoulders and like listening with our hair, you know? Um, we're just like always paying attention to everything that's there and that's not there. We read between the lines, we feel the energy in a room. Like we're always just hypersensitive because it's like a protective instinct, you know? And I think that that tends to happen in business as well. Um, I just think that as you get older and have more experience, it's less necessary to do so because you're more confident in who you are. And, 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 and the place that you hold.
0: Do you have any advice for um, females who are aspiring or starting off in the music industry? Maybe any advice that you would give your younger self?
1: You know, I heard this at a conference when I was a big artist. I don't even know who it was, but it was somebody very big. And he said, you know, the people who make it are not necessarily the most talent- talented ones. They're just simply the ones who do not give up. Um, and I think that as a musician, as an artist, as an entrepreneur in the industry, there's so many reasons to give up every single day. You know, it's a, it's a difficult industry. I mean, you can always make more money doing something else. The only reason why you stay in the industry is because you love it so much and because you have a passion for it because it fills a space within your soul that nothing else does, whether you're a creator and and you, and creating is part of your you know, breath of life, or you're an entrepreneur, or or in some aspect, or not entrepreneur, but you just you know you work within the the industry part, the business part of the industry,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because music is just something that really fills your soul, and you want to be part of the the uh, the industry that makes it possible for people to create. You know, that's your contribution, whatever it is. There's there's always a reason to give up, and I think that. I think that's true. I think that the people who make it are the ones who just stick to it. You know, if you if you stick to it long enough, something is going to click. It's just that you just really have to have a strong um, tolerance uh, towards adversity and really see adversity as an opportunity.
0: That is such a great point. Um, I love that mindset that you had, and I think that's so true. It's just looking at it as an opportunity and not a challenge. Um, so, thank you so much for that. I feel like you know everything you're saying. This is such this is such a great opportunity to be able to see into your experience both as an artist and an entrepreneur. And we just appreciate your time so much. We have one last question. Um, how can listeners reach you uh
1: yes so you can follow me on instagram at yael uh yael mayor music so that is y-a-e-l-m-e-y-e-r music uh facebook it's the same you can check out my company KLI Records on the Clear Records website, which is klirecords.com. We're running a uh, monthly webinar series, Music Supervision and Music Sync webinar series, which is free to attend. Um, And uh, everybody's invited to join. So we open sign up once a month for anybody who wants to be a part of that webinar. We invite, uh, you know, big big and, and awesome music supervisors to share their experience and their process for picking music for, for film and for TV and for adverts and trailers and whatever projects they're working on. So you can go on, uh, on my website, on my company's website, clear slash webinar. And, uh, and it'll direct you to the sign up where you can, um, eh, be part of this.
0: That sounds super exciting um, and we'll definitely share that with the episode. Um, definitely want to make sure that people attend that I, I'm playing on too. So I'm really excited about that. I'm
1: excited to have you. Yeah. <laughs> <The weather too.
0: laughs> and, and so thank you so much, Yael, for joining us on the season two of The Setup Podcast.
1: Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been such an honor and a pleasure. Congratulations on this awesome podcast. And thank you for the opportunity to share my journey with everybody.
0: Thanks for joining me for another episode of The Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review The Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com.